Okay, so I was going to dive into education and how children learn, and I will tackle that next time. But I learned about, and am now obsessed with, someone you have to meet, John Marshall. You may have a vague recollection of who this wonderful man was, but I know that whatever it is does not do him justice. He is most famous for being the first effective Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, but he is so much more than that, and he's my hero. I was originally going to save this episode for further into the series, but I became so enamored with this man through the book Without Precedent by Joel Richard Paul, I had to pause and share my obsession with how important this man was to the success of the nation. I binge read this book because it was so engaging, and I highly recommend it for anyone who enjoys American history. I love the title Without Precedent because it has so many layers of meaning. The most important layer of meaning is who he was seems to me to be unique in history. He was a man who recognized how the winds of history were blowing and dedicated his life to ensuring the ship remained right. He was someone whose life explains my philosophy of social policy. I have a legit crush on this man who has been dead for almost 200 years. So I have to geek gush about how awesome this guy was and why he's someone we can all look up to as a public servant who puts the long-term needs of this country above all else. But first, I'm going to do a six degrees exercise with you. But in this scenario, Kevin Bacon is replaced with John Marshall. He knew everyone associated with early national history. Marshall grew up in a log cabin in the Virginia frontier. He didn't gain an inheritance from his wealthy relatives, but Thomas Jefferson is his second cousin, and he did get that wealth. I don't want to dwell on this, but there was a lot of resulting family drama. Marshall served under George Washington during the Revolutionary War, including during Valley Forge, sometimes considered the worst part of the American Revolution. Marshall also went to school and was a lifelong friend of George Washington's nephew, Bushrod Washington. P.S. I'm glad he wasn't born now. We're not nice enough for that kid to get through school in one piece. Marshall was also a participant in the Constitutional Convention and argued alongside James Madison for a stronger central government and ratified the Constitution for the state of Virginia. Virginia was home to most of the first presidents and political leaders of this country. Marshall was Special Envoy to France and Secretary of State under John Adams. This was from 1798 to 1800. As Chief Justice, Marshall swore in Presidents 3 through 7, from Jefferson to Jackson. Also as Chief Justice, during a crucial time in our nation's formation, he worked with or heard arguments from the following people. Daniel Webster, not the dictionary guy, Francis Scott Key, the anthem guy, Aaron Burr, the milk commercial guy, Patrick Henry, the give-me-liberty-give-me-death guy, and Alexander Hamilton, the musical guy. Just to top it all off, he worked with Henry Clay on several occasions, who was family and friends with the Todds. Their daughter Mary married the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln. See? He worked with everyone. He was also one of those rare people that when he passed, even his adversaries in life spoke well of him. I think he's worth remembering for that fact alone. This brings me to describing all the things he did for this country. He fought in two wars, the French and Indian War and the Revolutionary War, under George Washington, of course. During the convention debates, he helped draft half of the Bill of Rights, helping make James Madison's case for a stronger central government than the Articles of Confederation had while protecting the rights of individual citizens. He served in all three branches of government, State and National Congress, Secretary of State for the Executive Branch, and Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. During his time as Secretary of State, 
which reads like a season of Madam Secretary. He brokered peace with England, France, Spain, and the Barbary Coast within one year's time. This was back when we didn't have a military. It had only been a country for a little over a decade. He was able to do this because he was patient and stuck with his values, even under pressure. His time as Supreme Court Justice is where the major titular inspiration for Without Precedent originates, and it is incredibly appropriate. While Secretary of State, for a little while, he was also Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. This sounds shocking and would never be allowed today because of separation of powers, but it was the second presidency, and the judicial branch didn't have a building or an office. People may do. It was a precedent that was unique in history and never to be repeated, thankfully. When he was Chief Justice, a role he played that lasted for over three decades, he wrote decisions that included the following important precedents. He established the judicial branch as co-equal with the legislative and executive branches. He also established that the role of the judicial branch was to interpret the Constitution and apply it to actions done by the other two branches of government. When the law was unclear or silent on an issue, he had us look to international law for an answer or a precedent to rule on. This was how he settled cases he was conflicted about or had no legal precedent in country. It's better than just making it up as he went, though sometimes I think it looked like that. The Supreme Court does not participate in politics or answer to political questions. I wish this was more true now than it seems to be. Congress is the branch that provides restitution where the courts can't. Handy that. Presidents are empowered to execute the laws passed by Congress and is not an independent power. An independent judiciary is a check on the ambition of politicians. This is why it is so important that the judiciary remain politically neutral. It's the reasoning behind the lifetime appointment of the Supreme Court justices. I dream of a judiciary that was nonpartisan and focused on interpreting the Constitution to do the most good for the most people. And I'm talking about real people, humans, citizens, and not corporations. The need for the federal government to be responsible for a few clearly defined things. Uh, providing for defense being the key one. For better or worse, federal law trumps state law, and the Constitution is a pact between we the people and not an alliance of states. The Supreme Court can strike down any laws that prevent representation or democratic accountability, like voter suppression laws. He created the foundation for a thriving interstate economy by making borders between states managed at the federal level. This also set the precedent for antitrust law and the importance of not allowing monopolies to stifle competition in the economy. He enabled the proliferation of corporations, which facilitated the creation of our current market system. He did this by protecting corporations from excessive regulations. He also established the precedent that corporations have many, but not all, of the rights and privileges of a private person. He established that treason is an act, and conspiring to commit it does not count as evidence. Conspiracy is not punishable under the Constitution. He invented the legal argument that a nation doesn't have to enforce international criminal law. His skill at making decisions that impacted our nation in so many ways was due to his affable nature and willingness to compromise. He didn't always make decisions I agreed with, but I understand why he made them. Side note, I think this is how we should feel about all our representatives, regardless of governmental branch or political party. In his career as Chief Justice, he decided over 1,100 cases. Less than 100, less than 10%, were not unanimous. 
which means over 90% of them were unanimous. That is unprecedented, as currently less than half of them are. He lived with the justices in the same building where they ate, drank, and debated. It was in this setting that he was able to create so much consensus. I clearly admire John Marshall as a person. I mentioned his values earlier, and while I do not share all of them, I can respect him for the decisions he made and the motives behind them. I know that there is a trend to compare people from history with the standards of our time, but I will not do that. But I will say that compared to the social morals of his day, he was much more progressive than many of the founding fathers. While I can't say enough about him, I know I'm editing this episode, so he looks awesome. In other words, I am aware of his flaws, but that doesn't distract from my ability to admire him. If there were pinups of people in 1810, I would have had one of him. Still, I do not idolize him. It's important that we honor, respect, learn from, and maybe emulate in some ways those impactful people that have paved the way for our present. It is just as important that we do not worship them. We are all people, we are all equals, and we can all learn something from one another. So how does all of this relate to the dreamland that I'm building with you? Well, he is a dreamy human being. Being in love with a dead guy is definitely a step or two removed from reality. Many of his values and decisions have bearing on the dreams and ideas that I will present. One of the things I want my ideas to do is be true to the ideals that democracy aspires to. Not the stated goals and the history and present state. The ideals. As I understand them, they include every person has the right to become self-sufficient. Every person has the right to earn the respect of others. Every person has the right to express themselves peacefully as they see fit. Knowledge is power and can change the world. In many ways, John Marshall is the early example of what being a contributing member of a democratic society looked like. He was one of the few founding fathers that didn't come from money. He grew up in the Virginia frontier in a log cabin. His family had connections, so he was able to serve in the military and go to school. Connections matter. Not living with a silver spoon matters too. He had a successful law practice, a small business, but put that aside to serve the country when he was called. He knew that conflict of interest was important and he felt the pain of it. He set the precedent for exiting the profession and income he had in Virginia while he was serving the country. George Washington told him at one point that you have to serve when called to convince him to run for Congress. He served honorably in our fledgling military for two wars, the French and Indian and Revolutionary. He valued the success of the democratic experiment that is this country and spent his whole life to protecting it, even though it didn't make him wealthy. He worked with politically diverse people and came to unanimous decisions, often when he originally was of the minority opinion. He knew that a united front would lend credibility and respect to the decisions, usually. Read the book if you want to know what I mean by that. This fact is evident in the over 90% decision unanimity. The book about Marshall's life, well, the title of the book about Marshall's life, is also key to the ideas that we're dreaming about, without precedent. To make a change that asks people to look to our better, more social selves, to participate more directly in the world around us, this is seemingly without precedent. To fix problems without resorting to violence on a larger scale is without precedent. 
talking about the solutions and the ways we can move forward without the rhetoric, blaming, anger, and fear. This is without precedent. I want to live a life without precedent that makes the world better for everyone without bringing people down. I want to do this with the bravery, foresight, and dedication that John Marshall exhibited throughout his storied career as a public servant. Thank you for following me through this historical dream about a man worth remembering. This man is one of the people who inspire me to find a way to enact change that will preserve the union and enable us to be our better, more independent selves. As we dream together of a more prosperous, positive world, let's look for people like John Marshall that will lead with compassion, consistency, and affable intelligence. This is the kind of person we need to right the ship during the stormy season for the United States. Thank you for listening to this episode without precedent. Next time, join me as we discuss how children learn and fail and what that means for all of us. Have a happy new year 